0: I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy. Cure. Today, I'm excited to welcome Rob Moss to another remotely recorded episode of Seizing Life as we continue to observe social distancing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Rob's son, Evan, began having seizures as an infant and was eventually diagnosed with tuberous sclerosis, a rare genetic disease that causes non-cancerous tumors to grow in the brain and on other vital organs. The challenges Rob and his wife experienced in communicating with physicians led them to create SeizureTracker.com. It's a free online tool that empowers patients to become active leaders in their own treatment, working hand in hand with doctors. Today, there are over 34,000 users on SeizureTracker.com and the data it has generated is benefiting patients, physicians and researchers alike. Rob, thank you so much for speaking with us today uh, and joining us on our uh, virtual Zoom set here. Thank you
1: so much for having me. It's an honor to be able to share our story and our, both our personal story and our story about Seizure Tracker uh, with, with your friends and community.
0: I want to learn more about your son, Evan, as it was his experiences and your experiences with him that inspired Seizure Tracker. Uh, speak to us a little bit about him and your experiences with epilepsy.
1: Our son Evan was born with tuber sclerosis complex. It's a rare genetic disorder that causes tubers to grow throughout multiple organs in your body. And Evan has multiple brain tumors that were there since birth and, and has epilepsy and seizures because of those brain tumors. So we, um, we actually, we were dealing with epilepsy from a very early age and started giving him medications to treat seizures and then really saw that um, the seizures were getting out of control and we'd have breakthrough seizures and increased treatments and, and so on and um, uh, spent a lot of time just adjusting medications and trying to stop the seizures.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a tune so many of us know far better than than we would like to, the the constant med adjustment and monitoring the seizures and keeping track of all of that. So first of all, how is Evan doing today?
1: Well, thanks for asking. He is doing great. He's a vibrant 16-year-old and um, up until a few months ago was doing wonderful in school, and he's very social and happy, and uh, we feel very fortunate. I think um, we look around in both the epilepsy community and the tuberous sclerosis community and see families that struggle, um, as our family does, and then see families that um, are dealing with other issues associated with epilepsy that are are what seem to be much harder to deal with. I think it's an unfortunate situation for anyone to have to deal with seizures um, and and just not fair but uh, we consider ourselves very lucky and um, and feel fortunate to have such a wonderful child and son.
0: I love that. Uh, So explain how a seizure tracker was born um, and what exactly is seizure tracker other than, you know, what we can tell by the name?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, Evan's been having seizures since birth, and we really went through multiple medications by the time he was four. He had been on, I think, nine medications, and we were really struggling to figure out how those medications were impacting both his seizure activity and then other parts of his life. And we change a medication and, and watch for a few months and then have these doctors' appointments to talk about what we thought was happening in between those medication changes. So, around the time Evan was three, his seizures started doubling every month and we really were being aggressive on the medication changes, but didn't have a way to understand um, objectively what they were doing. So we sat down and built a website that we could log Evan's seizures into with the time and date of the seizure, and then graph the seizures against the medications we were taking. So we- I'm
0: gonna gonna stop you there for a minute, because the thing (laughs) that jumps out to me right there is that And I think that I I can imagine that many other parents, you know, sitting there listening to this, you know, you have your child who you are trying to manage their medications and their appointments and all of this. And you're like, you know, and then I just built a website.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's superhero
0: status there.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, our doctor gave us this single sheet of paper to log 365 days of seizures on. And we'd have these, appointments with him really trying to use that sheet of paper plus all the notebooks that we had. And we were pretty aggressive about writing down and diarying his seizures just to understand for ourselves what was going on. And then it was funny, Lisa and I would sit and argue, sort of argue, but we would disagree on how Evan was doing. And then the doctor would have to listen to Lisa and I go back and forth on on uh, what we think the medication impact was was happening. And then um, it would just seem to be an inefficient use of our time and the doctor's time. And then we'd make some subjective uh, decision on the medication we were going to try next to try to stop the seizures, often with very little success. So um, yeah, the going out and building a website—it was interesting because we decided to do this for ourselves. And I'd go and um, I had a home office at the time. I had my own business, so we'd um, I'd go down and and try to leverage what I knew about programming websites at the time, and. Um, I'd go downstairs and build a piece of the website and I'd bring it up and I'd say, Lisa, what do you think about this? And she'd say, no, this doesn't work, go back downstairs. So there was a lot of back and forth with understanding <laughs> what our need was and how we were gonna build this for ourselves. So we actually took it in when it was ready to, for our doctor to look at and showed him this printout of these graphs it was um, producing. And he asked us to make it public at that point. So that started a whole new swirl of, well, how do we take what we've built for ourselves and then uh, really turn it into a system that's usable uh, across the epilepsy community?
0: Hi, this is Brandon from Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, or CURE. Since 1998, CURE has raised more than $70 million dollars, to help fund more than 235 research grants in 15 countries around the world. Learn more at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to this episode of Seizing Life. So what year was that when Seizure Tracker became um, a public resource?
1: Oh yeah, well, this is kind of an interesting story. So I think it was about 2006 when we had that first sit down and showed it to Evan's doctor. We spent about a year adjusting the interface to make it usable for for the for other families and um, actually launched it from uh, the waiting room at the hospital where Evan was having a three stage focal resection in two thousand seven so we had worked on it for about a year um, making it a usable tool and then um, and then really decided it was ready in 2007 to push out to the public. What was really interesting was they had a waiting room in the hospital outside of the ICU where Evan was staying, and um, my brother and I sat down and would code uh, for about the first week that Evan was in the hospital just tying up some of the loose ends, and then Lisa pushed it out, um, I think probably the second or third week that we were in the hospital to the, the tuberous sclerosis. Um, community forum, and and just to make it available to a, a group that we knew fairly intimately to get more feedback on. And what was really frightening was, the, you know, we went to bed one night, and the next morning we had 50 people using the website, and the next day 150 people. And we knew at that point that there was definitely a gap um, for what we had done and produced, knowing what our needs were, and then being able to provide it to a much larger community. So it's, it really took off in that that first period. And what was interesting at that point, so we started getting a bunch of feedback from families uh, within the TS community. And then there there were groups, other advocacy groups, that really started latching on to it. So the Dravet families started getting in touch with us and asking for more features. And, and uh, we spent the next... Uh, year or two years really responding to the community and trying to build in uh, new features and tools that we didn't really understand what the need was.
0: Now, so it's been 13, 14 years since those original days of coding in uh, in your home office and in the ICU waiting room. Uh, There are so many more features to this now. It is not just tracking seizures. It is um, you know, tracking uh, your ketogenic diet. It, talk to us about these additional features that, that really make this a, a, a full program.
1: Yeah, thank you. So for us, it's really interesting because I think we consider it really a community resource. And um, we've set up our development system that we have pretty intimate communications with our user base and we're able to respond to development requests and feature requests as they come in from our user base, but then also as technology changes. So um, just as an example, so when I mentioned we launched the site, we had never dealt with rescue medications and didn't know that families struggle with the idea of administering these sometimes on a daily basis and then understanding what impact those have on on seizures as they were happening or possibly preventing seizures. So we, um, it was actually the Dravet community that reached out to us fairly early on and asked for us to include a rescue medication tool. So within, you know, a couple weeks, we had really determined by talking to our user base what the need was, and then um, sitting down with some of our developers and Um, the resources that were in place, really building out a rescue medication tool that fit the needs across the community at this point. So um, that's just an example of how we've been able to interact with the epilepsy community and our user base. But then, you know, that's continued over the past 10 years. So we... Um, have been been responding to user requests. We added uh, the VNS tool, which is um, lets users record their VNS settings, the device settings, and then also as a seizure is happening or outside of a seizure record when they use their magnet swipe for the VNS. So as you mentioned, there's also diet therapy. So we built a um, working with The Charlie Foundation, we built a system for users to record the different diets they're on and then see how those diets impact seizures and other aspects of their life. So um, uh, really, I think what we've tried to do in the expanse of the tools that are developed is if there's a gap in need and a user requests something, we explore what the need is and then we often, um, the, the user or uh, we work with the professional community a lot that requests tools, we often enlist them as sort of a focus group or advisor to the tool development. So often they regret actually asking for tools because we really leverage folks who are more intimate with the need to be able to um, uh, uh, help us fill that gap and, and create effective tools
0: it 's so beautiful that this is born of the community and by the community and I, I love the idea of of all of us coming together and which sort of leads me to my next point about. You know, this is a tool, yes, for patients and caregivers, but it's also able to be utilized by clinicians and researchers. So bringing together all of these people who are all battling epilepsy uh, from different sides, talk to us about how this tool is able to be used uh, by these different communities.
1: Yeah, so as you can imagine, um, the database has grown exponentially in 10 years. and. We were getting approached by researchers specifically to try to leverage the data to help understand um, that sort of the natural history of epilepsy at first and I remember being in um, at the professional conferences sort of trying to reach out to doctors and, and clinicians about this resource and having these researchers come up and go, "Oh my goodness, this is." something we should be really looking at at leveraging in the community the research community itself. So I have to say that our mission is was not initially to build out tools to help researchers. Our our mission is to empower patients to have an active dialogue with their clinicians to make better treatment decisions and therapy decisions. So that was the initial mission and when we started getting approached by researchers it concerned us because what we really wanted was a good relationship with our user base, that they had confidence that we were using the tools in the system to meet that gap and that need um, of improving and empowering patients to communicate with their doctors. So I think it was in 2015 or 16 we put out a survey to our user base asking if they uh, would want their data used to better understand and help clinicians and, and researchers understand epilepsy, and 95 percent of the respondents said they wanted us to use their data. So, at that point, it turned into a mandate for us to create tools that empower researchers to leverage what is our community data in, in, to answer questions that haven't been able to be, be answered before.
0: It's so incredible to me that, you know, you start this on this micro level of trying to help individual patients communicate better with their doctors, come up with treatment plans that are more effective. But on the macro level, you have the opportunity to push science forward, to help researchers potentially understand this disease better and have better treatments or potentially cures in the future. and I I think it speaks volumes to the epilepsy community that 95% were so eager and willing to share that data with the researchers. I know that um, Seizure Tracker and CURE have worked together in the past through our Epilepsy Genetics Initiative. Can you talk to me about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. And that's kind of some of the exciting tools that came out of this change and direction for us is developing tools for researchers and uh, with the focus of better understanding and leveraging the data. So one of the things we did was built out a system that um, users can come into Seizure Tracker and identify other organizations to share their Seizure Tracker data with. So um, one of our first data share partners was CURE, and with their EGI project, we were able to take seizure tracker outcome data, and the patients could come in, identify that they wanted to share their seizure data with CURE, and CURE was able then to combine the seizure tracker data with the, the genetic screening data that they were collecting through EGI. So this has all progressed um, from that point. When we first started doing this data share program, we, um, we took that interaction and opened that up so uh, institutions or hospitals that are trying to do small research projects can actually come to Seizure Tracker, very um, very rapidly set up a study management tool to manage small studies within there, and then they ha- we provide a portal for them to come in and help with recruiting into their study, but then also download their data proactively through a user interface that we provide to them that they can link into what database they have separately. And so it's a, it's a really interesting system to be able to take our seizure tracker data and combine it with other registries and other research databases. Um, one of the other things that was kind of fun about uh, changing direction and initiative was the, the researchers that were approaching us um, at some of these professional conferences, one of them was uh, at NIH at the time, and we were able to set up a system where we could de-identify and unlink seizure tracker user data, export the full population to um, outside institutions, so other researchers in hospitals or, or organizations, and they would get a, 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 Data set that were you were unable to identify the folks in the data set, so we would de-identify it and unlink it. So not after we made the export, then um, then we, even we couldn't connect the two data sets. So that's been really fascinating because we've been able to push that uh, full data set out and really learn about the epilepsy community in a much different way with using. Um, uh, Oh, uh, what they would call big data to explore different ideas. So we've had multiple publications um, with, in collaboration with uh, individual and groups of researchers uh, from outside organizations. So super fun and kind of kind of cool to see what direction that's gone in.
0: Well, we are beyond grateful um, for all that you're you're doing with Seizure Tracker. And I have to ask, you know, how how is Evan, how is the rest of your family doing amid COVID? How are you handling this? How is Evan handling these changes? Um, you know, how how do you care, give, uh, and manage epilepsy during COVID?
1: I think COVID's gonna change all of our lives. I think for people with epilepsy, it's had a very interesting impact. Um, for us personally, I can give you an example of, um, of uh, how we've been having to change our management style. Evan now has status seizures. They happen fairly routinely, so every two or three weeks we, ha- um, we take turns sleeping with Evan, uh, my wife and I, and he has nocturnal seizures that require medication as soon as they start. So um, all of them are status, all of them without intervention would last 15 or 20 minutes, if not longer. So we, um, we have a care plan in place where, uh, when Evan starts having a seizure at, at, at night, we'll administer uh, rescue medication to try to stop the seizure as quickly as possible. And um, if it lasts longer than five minutes, we have to administer another rescue medication and we call EMS to have them um, observe or transport if he's still seizing when they, when they show up. So most recently, um, it was quite fascinating. We have our care plan and we make a decision fairly early on whether we're going to transport him or not. If the seizure stops before they, they, EMS arrives We'll, they'll, we'll let them come in, monitor his vitals for a little while, and then usually turn down transport. But he's been transported multiple times for seizures that are still going on when they show up. And so um, uh, for one of his last, more recent seizures, it was we had administered the first rescue medication. We were waiting. Um, we administered the second rescue medication and called EMS. And uh, as as they were en route, um, Evan stopped seizing. We knew we weren't going to transport them, so we were pleading with them to turn the ambulance around, because at this point we've been uh, self-isolating for you know over a month and a half, and having people into our house who are possibly at risk was, was a concern for us. Another thing, we did a survey for the um, seizure tracker community last week. and. Uh, realized that or one of the questions was based around this fear of hospitals and and um, and fifty percent of the respondents of that survey said they definitely had a fear of going into the hospital for treatment inside or outside of seizure activity. so I think it's changing all, all of our lives. Its changed how we treat and deal with seizure emergencies and just something to think about. When we talk to physicians now who are in hospitals and dealing with patients, I think one of their biggest concerns is that patients are hesitating to come in to the hospital in emergencies. And I think as a community we really need to be talking about um, how safe it is to be going to the hospital when we should make those decisions and when we need those sorts of interventions um, and to be aggressive about those interventions.
0: I think that's so incredibly valuable and, and a conversation that everyone needs to have with their, with their doctor. It's, you know, you have your regular care plan, but what is that care plan in the age of COVID? And does it change at all? Should it change? I
1: think also inside of the COVID space, um, now there is a, a real focus on telehealth and using seizure tracker to communicate more effectively with your doctors now is more important than ever. And, um, and hopefully you can integrate the system into how you're currently managing epilepsy and then share uh, more accurate data in a more effective way
0: If anyone wants to learn more, seizuretracker.com, correct?
1: Yes, so I'm sorry. You can definitely go to seizuretracker.com to learn more about the system and the tools. Um, There's mobile apps in both iTunes, Google Play, and we have an Amazon Alexa skill, so you can record your seizures by voice. And I encourage people to go to the website, set up an account, explore the tools. We're really focused on um, our new initiative of it's not just seizures and understanding things outside of seizures that are both impacted by lifestyle change and and therapy adjustments and and so I encourage people to go to seizuretracker.com, set up an account, and then definitely explore the mobile apps which are seizure recorders. They're meant to be used as a seizure is happening and they can. Uh, you can record rescue medications and in Venus information as well. Um, and I, I do have to mention we uh, we have started a program to integrate Seizure Tracker into the EHR system. And with COVID in place now, uh, it seems much more important. So we're um, just weeks away from having our first uh, inter- inter- integration into. Uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, and then there's four other hospitals that are lined up to integrate and in where Seizure Tracker is now available within the Epic App Orchard, so institutions can go in, and and uh, express interest in those integrations, and hopefully this will help uh, both in telehealth and um, and easily communicating this data directly to your clinicians and really going back to that initial mission of improving that communication set between doctors and patients.
0: It's amazing. I am, cannot wait to continue to watch your journey and the seizure tracker path. And Rob, we are incredibly grateful to you for having taken the time to chat with us today. Um, send so much love to the fam and uh, we appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Kelly. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Rob, for explaining how Seizure Tracker is improving patient care. Your story is truly an inspiring example of how families and patients can make an enormous contribution to the epilepsy community at large. Though we may be physically separated in this time of social distancing, those of us touched by epilepsy remain together in spirit and purpose. We all want an end to seizures without the side effects of medication. That is Care's aim and is why we focus on funding epilepsy research. Our dedication to patient-focused research is what will lead us to new discoveries and treatments. We hope you will become a part of our continuous research efforts by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.